Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Business and Soul, the podcast that feeds your business and your soul. Today, we will be talking to a fashion designer who only produces the clothes on demand. Her name is Inez. She's Belgian. And I thought it was interesting to talk with her because only producing on demand means less waste and being more sustainable. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know what you think on our social media platforms. Hello, everyone. This is Business Soul, the podcast that will feed your business and your soul. My name is Valérie Kino, and I'm here today with Inès Bourgeois. Hello, Inès. Hello, Valérie. Thank you so much for being here. Um, let's start by um, asking you to introduce yourself. Um, so my name is Inés. I'm half Belgian, half Spanish. I grew up between Brussels and Barcelona and then moved a bit around Um, did my studies in the UK, worked in Paris and Milan, and about a year and a half ago, I launched my own fashion brand, which is called Less Is More. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first, I want to understand, actually, uh, what was your childhood like? Um, in what kind of family did you grow up? Uh, what were your parents doing? Um, you I have had, brothers and sisters. Yeah, so... I have a younger sister, uh, but we're quite close, even if we're very different from each other. Um, I had a very happy childhood. Uh, as I was saying before, I really was moving quite a lot, but um, it was a very stable childhood overall. Um, The moving around, was it because of uh, your parents' job or...? Uh, <laughs> Mostly, but also because my mom is Spanish and she was fed up at some points about <laughs> Brussels and the weather. We feel her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so sometimes we moved back to Spain because of that. Um, and then we, when we went back to Brussels, it was always because of my dad's job. Um, and you were asking what um, my family does. They're all lawyers. Okay. So really not a very creative uh, Vibe. Vibe, background. Um, all of my family, so my grandfather, my dad, my mom also studied law, my uncles, my aunts, even my sister studied law afterwards. And my dad really wanted me to do that as well, but I said, nope, <laughs> not happening. Um, so what did you study? I studied business. Okay. Um, I think you can't really know when you're 17, 18, what you want to do. Uh, but I knew what I didn't want to do, which was law or having to learn something by heart. I knew I was more of a creative person, but since I wasn't very sure what I wanted, I did a more general, general thing yeah. yeah, where you could have different opportunities afterwards. So Opening doors. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit um, about fashion. Um, do you remember the first time you kind of discovered you loved fashion? Um, I don't have a specific moment of my life that was like a declic or I don't know how you say in English, but um, I've always been like the creative kid. When I was a teenager, I remember I had uh, design and sewing lessons and we did a fashion show where uh, as, as a part of the... Um, of the talent show of the school and I designed dresses for that. So 
it's always kind of been there. Um, but with time, I've realized I'm not so much a designer, more a thinker. And uh, um, what's the difference? I mean, well, when I was young and I was doing my my sewing lessons and creating my my dresses and all, I prefer the moment of the um, the conception okay. and like imagining the piece. Yeah. Rather than doing the technical work, okay. like I'm not good with uh, hand uh, stuff. I I'm not very good at the manual things. So <laughs> yeah, well, it's I think it's very important to know what you're good at and what you really yeah. enjoy and uh, what you're not good at, <laughs> what you don't enjoy. So okay, so um, I want to go back a little bit um, back to the UK when you were studying. Mm -hmm. What what happened afterwards? So after the business, what did you decide? Um, so I think the um, the decision didn't come at the end of my studies, but more at the beginning because I knew fashion interested me, and um, I also knew it was a very competitive environment. And it's a world where you need to have contacts maybe at the beginning to get in, uh, which I didn't really have. So I decided to try and get inside of the fashion industry at the very beginning and did a lot of internships while I was uh, studying business in the UK. So I remember every single summer I did uh, internships in Paris, um, tried finding opportunities to to get fashion in my CV and also have a bit of experience, uh, understand if it's really what I wanted to do. Um, and then when I finished my studies, it came as a very clear decision. Okay. So, I mean, can you tell us more about the internships uh, for which brands did you yeah. work or what were, I'm more interested also in your impression. So what, what did you understand during those internships? Um, so I did different type of internships, always in communication and marketing in fashion. So with roles involving PR, press, uh, event management, digital, social media, um, but always around communication. And I worked for a different type of brands. So at some point I was at uh, Chloe, which is part of a big group. Uh, but then I also had experiences in more small family-owned brands like Missoni in Italy. And you can really see the difference of um, how the company is um, regulated. I mean, mm -hmm. with when you're in a very small family-owned company, it has nothing to do than being, I think, in a brand that is part of LVMH or Caring or... It's a different groups. culture. I call that the company's culture. Yeah, company <laughs> culture. So. Okay. Um, and so was there a moment where you like really felt like, okay, this is for me. I love fashion. I want to give it a try. Or were you always more like having doubts and, and let's try it and see and I'll figure it out? Or were you like at a certain point where you're like, okay, this is it. I want to try this. Um, I really wanted to go into fashion. Um, while I was studying, all my friends were going for banking or consulting. And I remember I was the only one going my own different way. And I always thought to myself, I know uh, you don't get very high salaries. I know it's a difficult environment, but I really want to do this because this is what makes me happy. This is what I like. And 
I'm going to go for it. So I don't think I really had doubts. Uh, maybe the doubts came afterward, after having a bit of experience and realizing mm, maybe that's not what I was imagining. Mm-hmm. Okay, so can you tell us more about that? <laughs> or maybe first let's let's keep the timeline. So after the UK, so what did you do after the UK? So after the UK, um, I directly moved back to Milan. I had done a few internships there and I really liked it. And I got offered a position for a big editorial group um, where I worked there for two years in um, digital marketing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, And that was super interesting because also working in Italy, it's a very specific environment. Um, I think that fashion is really different also in terms of countries. If you work uh, for a company in the US, it's not going to be at all like in Europe. And even inside of Europe, there's a lot of differences. Mm, true. Um, and it was a very interesting experience. So my role was uh, very large because uh, the editorial group had a lot of different magazines like Vogue, uh, Glamour, Architectural Digest. So um, I was more in the fashion side because that's where they spoke more English and not a lot of people spoke very good English. There were mostly Italian people. Um, but still I had different projects for different magazines. So it was a really a different project every single time. And I learned a lot. Okay. But that's very good that you're focusing on the positive, but <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us a bit like, what didn't you like about, um, um, I like the, yeah, when you talked about the, the culture of the company, mm -hmm. is there something you didn't like or where you realize like, mm, this isn't really for me? A lot of things, a lot of things. I think um, mainly it was um, a bit of a disappointment when I realized that when you start in fashion, it's very difficult to grow. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the beginning, you're going to have a very specific job where you do tend to do the same thing and don't evolve as quick as other industries where, you know, for example, oh, after two years, I know I'm getting uh, this position and then I know that I'm getting my bonus at this time. And mm. in fashion, it's really not like that. Um, I think another thing that I would like to see evolve more but it's already changing actually it's this um idea of uh, competitiveness between people between brands uh there's a lot of competition that is very fierce also because fashion has a lot of strong characters mm -hmm. um but now that i launched my own brand i do th see that things are evolving like New brands have completely different mentalities and you meet a lot of people that are more in a collaborative mindset and you want to support each other. So I think that's great. Yeah, that's awesome indeed. Um, so what happened after those two years in, uh, in Milan? After those years in Milan, there were also some um, other values of the industry that I didn't really like. And also I started asking myself some questions as a person um, regarding 
sustainability and the way things are done. I I was in, in the press, so I could see all the greenwashing that was happening. <laughs> uh, we were writing about all these conscious uh, collections, but then you were thinking if they're producing so much, how can this be really conscious or sustainable? And this added to the company culture made me think, okay, is this really where I want to be? I love this industry. Um, I think it's beautiful and it's amazing. But there is something that is not right and I want to take a break and think about what I really want. And so I quit my job and I did a master's and at the same time COVID arrived. <laughs> so that's what happened right after, um, right after these two years. Um, and with COVID, I started realizing how much um, what my initial thoughts were actually true because during COVID, I think we all realized that you don't need to consume that much. You don't need that many products. Um, even companies were not selling. So maybe realizing you don't need to produce that much. And that's where I had the idea while I was studying for my master's to to do my own thing and to to maybe launch a brand with a different mindset and different business model. And that's when you created Less Is More. And that's when I created Less Is More. Yeah. All right. Tell us everything about <laughs> Less Is More. Okay. So um, Less Is More, it's obviously a play on words. Uh, it's written Less Is More like, like this. Mm-hmm. So for the people listening to us, it's le in French, so it means the, and is more in one word. Is yeah. More. yeah. Um, but obviously the meaning behind it's less is more. Mm -hmm. So the idea of the brand is that there's only one piece per season, no collections, and each piece is versatile, so it can be worn in different ways. They're all adaptable and size inclusive. Uh, so it's always one size that fits all. And um, everything is made in Italy, made on pre-order. So it's only what is uh, ordered and demanded that is going to be produced so that there's no waste. Um, and that that's the main idea of the brand. I love it. I love the fact that Um, people order and then you produce because exactly. I think that's really something in our society that I think probably now we're slowly understanding that, you know, if you like want um, the resources to adapt to your desires, then it's really limitless because people are always going to have desires. And I'm thinking also about food, for example, if we want to always produce and produce and produce, it's really exhausting the planet. Whereas we should adapt to what's available. So that's really something that, uh, that I love about uh, um, your company. So um, how did it evolve? How, how is it working? How do people respond to that concept? Um, who are your customers? Mm -hmm. um, so the, um, now it's been like a year and a half. And this first uh, year has been really a year of understanding uh, if the business model works, if people... Yeah are okay with buying in advance and having to wait? The answer is yes. Um, and then it was also a test to see if people like the clothes, 
Some do better than others, but the good thing with pre-order is that we can adapt to this demand. Mm -hmm. And now after one year, I know which uh, type of pieces will work best and which will work less. And um, and then the type of customer, um, it's really, there's two types of customers, I would say, uh, because each time I launch a piece and it comes on pre-order, there's a discount. So mm-hmm. to really um, encourage encourage people to, to take the pre-order and the more responsible, uh, mindful uh, way of purchasing, because obviously if you're going to wait for it to be produced, you're going to think more about it. Like, do I really want this? Uh, is this really something I'm going to wear? And then you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to wait for it. Um, and so there's a type of customer that is going to to wait and uh, and really take that piece because they know uh, it's um, it's something that they really want and they take advantage of this discount. But then obviously there's still some people that like to purchase in the moment. Um, and this is more, I think, older generations. Mm-hmm. So the people who buy more on pre-order, or um, maybe until their 30s. And then ladies that are a bit older, they still like to 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 go and see the piece in person. And that's why every time I do uh, a drop of a piece, there's always a 20% extra stock created for these events where people can really come see the product and um, buy it in the moment. But it's just... A smaller part of um, of the production. Okay, and so which uh, nationalities? Um, where are your customers from? Um, mainly Italy, because I launched there. A lot France as well, but um, it's been a bit all over. Uh, I would say the second or third bigger nationality is the U.S. Oh, really? Yeah, um, Americans consume a lot I think and they really really like um, when something is made in Europe they really value that Um, so it's mostly Italy, France US and then the rest of Europe so not yet Asia Mm -hmm. yeah well you still need to keep plans for the future right (laughs) so okay um, very interesting so I always say that Um, you know, when you start your own business, that your business is kind of like a mirror also of who you are and you're always evolving as a person and that your business is also evolving with you. So I wanted to ask you, since the moment you started and who you are now, did you see something change or did you understand stuff about yourself and about also the way you want to do business? Mm-hmm. Um This is a very broad question. Um, um, I do think that what I've realized about myself is that I cannot do everything alone and that human connections and human relationships are very, very important. And this in business as well. Mm -hmm. Um, When I first had the idea of less is more, I was a bit scared of talking about it first because I thought people would judge me maybe or uh, think, oh, yeah, sure, you're going to do a fashion brand. Like, doesn't seem very uh, 
Yeah, very realistic. Yeah, or maybe that someone would take my ideas or... Um, I don't know. There were many reasons that uh, didn't make me want to share what I was going to do. But then slowly by slowly, I started talking to people and realized that everybody can bring you something. And um, really, the people you would least expect can help you a lot. Or even by saying one thing, thing it can support um, your ideas. Um, so really connecting with people And at the point where I am today, also connecting with people who are doing the same thing as you, because sometimes when you're an entrepreneur, you can feel a bit lonely. You have highs, you have lows. And if you meet people that are in the same situation as you, you really get stronger together. Um, so this is a thing that I've learned, I guess. So um, I don't know where to start. Maybe, yeah, let's say... Can you describe what was the most difficult time of your career or your life, actually? Because I think you cannot really separate both. Um, and what helped you overcome it? Mm, my career is not that long because I'm 26. So it's... Uh, yeah, but so from your 26 years yeah. on planet Earth. Uh, so from my 26 <laughs> years on planet Earth, uh, I think it's um, not a specific moment. But, um, you know, having the imposter syndrome, um, I think that many people have that and especially many women. women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I've had that all over my life and career. When yeah. I first started my first internships, I thought, what am I doing here? I've never worked in fashion before. Then I moved to Italy and in my first job, I actually didn't speak Italian very well. I faked it a bit to get in uh, and then even launching a brand you feel a bit like an imposter um, specifically for me uh, launching less is more it was mainly related to the fact that I'm not a designer which is what I was saying before and I never studied fashion design I did business and at the beginning I felt a bit like an imposter because there's so many amazing brands where um, the people who have developed them really know fashion and they, they create their own things. And I work with amazing, amazing people who help me create my ideas. Um, but I'm not a designer and my fashion and my fashion brand is not a designer brand. And that's I, okay, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now I'm okay with it. And yeah. I understand that this is my personality, my brand and my type of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what helped you overcome the imposter syndrome or what keeps you going even though you're feeling it? Um, it was also because, so I've started about a year ago my brand and I still don't take a salary from it. And what I do on the side is that I consult other brands and other companies, mainly related to their branding or sustainability And I realized nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> so that helped me a bit. Um, being able to see other people who also are a bit in the same situation. Exactly. Who are all learning. Successful people. Oprah said she had imposter syndrome. You know, if, if Oprah has imposter syndrome, like. <laughs> exactly. And nobody knows exactly what, what they're doing. And that's fine. And yeah, it's okay with figuring it out. 
All right. So um, when I was little, I thought it was always complicated, like because people were always asking you, what do we want to be when you grow up? Mm. And I was also kind of like, like you said in the beginning, like I knew what I didn't like, but um, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And uh, I was a little bit also jealous of very passionate people who know like very early on what they're going to be or do. Uh, but then something that helped me during my career is actually understanding in which moments I felt most alive. So that's my next question for you. What are like, can you tell us the moments where you feel most alive? Um, thinking about this question, the first thought that would come to mind is maybe big moments, you know, where when I launched my website or when I uh, sold this amount of... Uh, of dresses in this event. And I realize it's not those moments. It's more little moments in life mm -hmm. um, where you're in a very good state of mind and you just get a good idea and think, wow, this is going to be amazing. And um, maybe spending time with friends or your loved ones. I don't think that the moments where I feel alive are important moments, mm -hmm. uh, like big, uh, big moments that are supposed to be the ones where you ha are supposed to feel alive. I don't know if it makes much sense. Yeah, yeah I see what you mean. Um, but but business-wise, because you're, you kind of highlighted the fact that it's through your ideas, right? Mm -hmm. That you, like, how does that happen then? Um, how do you get... What's your creative process, let's say? What goes from like, you know, nothing to a, a piece somebody's mm -hmm. going to wear one day? Well, the good thing is that I don't do collections. I do only one piece per season. So I have a lot of time to think about that piece. Um, the first idea uh, can come from anything that inspires me at some point. But then, um, as I was saying, I'm not very good with my hands. So I'm going to explain my first vision to... Um, to uh, my um, modelista, I don't know how you say it in uh, It's okay, in we'll stay. It sounds, uh, it sounds pattern sexy. Maker, my pattern maker. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to work together on a piece. Uh, we're going to create a first prototype, try it on, and then I'm going to be like, okay, no, this has to change, this, we're going to reduce it, this like that, da, da, da. and then we're going to create a second uh, version of it, and then a third, and the fourth, until it's perfect and great because if you do a piece that is going to be versatile and you can wear in different ways it's uh, very complicated to get it uh, from the first uh, time yeah yeah you have to do like prototype exactly mm -hmm. and i think the way of doing only one piece per season really allows me to get those versatile pieces right okay so let's talk a little bit about the future where January 5th, so <laughs> Happy New Year, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> what can you wish you for the future and for the year that's coming? Um, in personal way or Both. business way? Both. Um, I always say it's one brain, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit of a mixed feelings because on one side I want to grow a lot <laughs> uh, probably this year I would like to raise funds and scale up the, um, the business and go to the next level 
And at the same time, um, this first year and a half of launching my business has been filled with lots of highs and lows. And for my mind, I would like to detach also a bit from it and be able to enjoy life without thinking 24-7, less is more, less is more, less is more. Um, so if I can do both at the same time and I can manage that, it would be great. Okay, so actually that was also one of my questions. What keeps you healthy and like body, mind, spirit? Like, do you have any practices you do to, to stay healthy and stay sane? <laughs> I don't have any specific practices. I've always been very bad with trying things that people tell you like, oh, you have to drink a, a water with lemon every morning and <laughs> do this yoga or meditate. I'm very bad. I'm very bad at, I can try it, but after two days, I'm going to stop. But uh, I do think that routines are important for me. Um, and it's going to sound very, very basic, but sleeping, mm -hmm. eating well, uh, it's for me the number one. Also trying to do sport even if I hate it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You hate sport and you're still doing it? Um, well, I try for my more for my mental health than for my health. Okay. But I do very little of it. My, my cousin is a Pilates instructor and she has a super cool 20-minute videos. So I do only 20 minutes here and there. Um, I don't work out super much, but I try to do a little bit. And then also I think uh, seeing people is important Definitely. to stay healthy in your mind and your body. Do you have mentors? I um, I have a lot of people that have helped me. Um, there's uh, a few people that don't even realize it maybe. Like my one of my first managers when I was working for Chloe, um, she really changed my way of uh, seeing what um, a leader of a manager is, especially for women, because she was a very, very funny, funny woman. She would make jokes with everybody in the office and still she was really respected. Um, and at that moment I thought, okay, I want to do my own thing. I want to grow in business, but I also want to be happy and chill. And, and sometimes you have the idea when you're a woman that you need to to pretend in a certain way to be very serious and very cutthroat to make it and she really inspired me in that yeah to stay yourself and yeah stay okay well i mean it's already 30 minutes so okay. we're going to be wrapping it up thank you so much for sharing your story thank you for and having um, me. wishing you all the best in the future to find that harmony between More of less is more and less of less is more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.